Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Talking Walls. We've got a fantastic podcast coming up on the channel today. As always, my name is Dave. Alongside me today, I've got Mr. Matt Cooper. Matt, how are you keeping? Very well, thank you, mate. I'm looking forward to this today. Yeah, no problem. And we've got none of a former Wolves goalkeeper, 72 appearances, 36 clean sheets, Mr. John Ruddy. John, how are you keeping? Very well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, no, no problem. Uh, real pleasure to have you on, John. Obviously, spoke to a good friend of mine, Chris, from the Talk Norwich City channel. Obviously, you've done a bit, bit of work with Chris before. He's a, he's a great guy. And obviously, you had great times at Norwich, great times at Wolves as well, which I'm sure we'll get on to. Um, but, John, just for the, the listeners, football in general, obviously, you've had a, a good career so so far and hopefully many more years to come. How did you get into football to start with? Uh, I just think it was like it always has been, it's the main sport over here, isn't it? And, uh, you know, as a kid, just going out on the, on the parks, playing at school, after school, you know, obviously that I'm a little bit older than most, so it was different back in the day, should I say, but, you know, being able to go out and have a kick about with your mates without worrying too much about who's who or what is around the corner. Um, so, yeah, it just stemmed from that, really, just the love of watching it, uh, playing it, um, and just the, the togetherness it brought from groups of friends and everything yeah so that's how i got into it and um tried my hardest to be an outfield player <laughs> realized i wasn't good enough so i ended up in goal was that so did you argue i'm not good enough yeah <laughs> did you get scouted through like sunday league then or was it through school football or no so um to be fair i'd, I'd moved into to the goal when i was 14 mm. so i was quite late in that sense and um, a friend of mine was playing for Cambridge at the time in the youth team. And he was up watching a game that I was playing in. Um, and his coach was there just randomly. And uh, they were, again, randomly, they were looking for a goalkeeper. So my friend said, oh, what about John? And like they'd obviously took a look at me and I was always big anyway. So they sort of seen the size of me and gone, yeah, it's worth a shot. <laughs> and, uh, Got me in and that was it. So, yeah, started at Cambridge as a 14, 15-year-old. Um, ended up making my first team debut three years later as a 17-year-old. Wow. And then got a move to Everton uh, off the back of that. So, yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind start, really. Yeah, and obviously at Everton is where you got many low moves and so on. And I'm sure it probably made you the player that you are today, having different environments, playing in different divisions as well. And uh, other than Wolves, Norwich was somewhere that you spent a lot of time during your time in Norwich as well. You actually got called up to the England squad, not just once, a couple of times. You were in the Euro squad, but an injury kept you out of that one, John. How devastating was that? Oh, that was, yeah, that was, well, I say devastating. I wasn't expecting to be in the squad. All right, okay. So, you know, to be in the squad was an amazing achievement and something that, you know, is still to this day my proudest moment. But, um, yeah, the injury, obviously, I can't, it was only my second day training, oh, and I sort of popped an injury. And the worst thing was is that they said if I was still, at, if it was a club, and I was back at Norwich and I was training, I'd still be allowed to play and train. But because of like the FA being the insurance reasons and stuff, they, they couldn't take that risk. So it was, yeah, like I said, it was it was a very that was that was quite um, a, a bad moment, low point in my career, if you like, but. I was getting married the week after as well, so it sort of softened the blow a little bit. Yeah, time time did quite nicely in the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you still managed obviously to make it an England appearance. It was uh, against Italy, wasn't it? Coming on second half substitute, kept a clean sheet in that game as well, which is brilliant. Um, 
I, I sort of scroll through like things that I'd spoken about before on social media. And a lot of it was whenever there was England squads called up and there were second or third choice goalkeepers, I was saying, why isn't John Ruddy getting a call up? Why isn't John Ruddy getting a call up? Was there ever a time where England was speaking about you or spoke to you and you sort of batted back the inquiry? Or was was there ever times where you were disappointed that you hadn't made the England squad if you had a good run of form in the league? Do you mean after I've been in the squads? Or... Yeah, yeah. So I think more recently, probably maybe the last five or six years where, you know, the England goalkeeper situation, you know, probably wasn't as strong as it has been in recent years. And there was probably third or second or third goalkeepers, and I thought you probably deserved a shout to be in the squad. No, the, the issue you've got there is I wasn't playing enough football. Um, you know that's mm. the ultimate be on an end up. And if you're not playing football, especially either in the championship or you know from from my point of view, um, yeah, I always think you should you need to be playing in the Premier League to represent England. You know, regardless mm. of it. Um, so yeah, for me, it was never. The, it was never a, a full process, to be honest, of why am I not being considered because I wasn't playing. Um, mm. When I was at Norwich, there was times where they were calling up um, championship goalkeepers. Now, I think Jack Butland was getting in the squad. And, yeah. You know, more recently, Sam Johnson had been getting in the squads, um, you know, whilst there were still goalkeepers in the Premier League. So doesn't it doesn't quite sit right with me they're both very very good goalkeepers don't get me wrong but if you're not playing at the top level i don't understand why you you can be in the england squad to be honest um but that's just my pers- personal point of view and you know like i said unless i am back playing in the premier league then england is a is a distant but very fond memory yeah i think was it southgate he made a comment about who was it was it was it Cody at the time, I think, or somebody like that when he said, like, he needs to be playing at a higher level. And then he, he called up, in the next squad, he called up somebody from the Championship anyway again. Was it Mason really Yeah, some, something like that. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. was it Cody the player? I'm, I'm sure it was Cody who was in the discussion. And then he and then he called up Mason Mount. Yeah, the, which didn't really make much sense to me anyway. So, I mean, we could have a discussion about international football <laughs> for, for ages, but we'll, we'll skip past that now. Anyway. But John, obviously, moved to Wolves, came about in 2017, 10th of July, um, obviously, the first season we had uh, Nuno as well, of course. Now, this was shortly after, obviously, we had the news about Carla Kimi as well and obviously the leukaemia and so on. The initial plan, John, if you don't mind me asking for you, was it to come in as the first team as a replacement for Carl or initially when the inquiry came about, were you going to be sort of battling for that number one spot with Carl? No, I, I literally, <coughs> the, the move only came about after Carl's news had been released. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, any conversations with with Wolves before that point, um, yeah, and then obviously Carl's uh, Carl's news came out, which was devastating for everybody. Of course, um, and Wolves needed to act quickly. They needed to get someone in with fairly good experience, um, and yeah, my my agent sort of I think he, he banged them um, and said, "What are you doing for goalkeepers?" And I've got John Ruddy here, who's not doing much. Um, <laughs> And it was quite a straightforward process, to be honest. You know, that I think for both parties, it, it fit really well. Um, they were replacing, obviously, in the worst circumstances, an experienced yeah. goalkeeper with someone pretty much like-for-like experience. Um, and for myself, I'm going to a club which had ambitions of getting promoted. Um, you know, that summer was a massive summer for the, for the club in terms of Nuno coming in, the players they were bringing in as well. So... Um, yeah, it fit really well for both parties. So it was it was very straightforward to, to get over the line. 
John, when, when when Wolves are bringing in players such as Diogo Jota and Willy Bolly and, and Ruben Neves, did you have a feeling that Wolves were going to do something special? I know that Matt Doherty has been cited to, I think he texted Benny Kofobi to say, we're going up this season after the 1-0 the at Middlesbrough at home. Did you have a feeling yourself? Um, I think you could always see the quality within within the players that were coming in. Um, and, you know, it's not just the obvious, the standout, the Neves and... and and Diogo's and Bollies, but you know Bonatini was was pivotal for us in that in that first part of the season, especially. Yeah. And then Ryan Bennett, Barry Douglas, you know. So we had a, a really good squad, and anybody who's played in the championship before knew that that was a strong, strong team. And if we were going to go about it the right way and pick up the runner results, and which we did, and, and we adapted really well. And you know, I've always said it that Nuno came in. He, he never changed his philosophy for anybody or any team. Um, and we knew to a man everybody else's job, which made it a lot easier for the cohesion across the group. Um, and going into games, you knew what was expected of each position, regardless if it was your position or not. So that familiarity and, and consistency was massive in that season. And obviously it, it's, it showed it as well. I mean, 99 points with... The only disappointing thing about that season was we didn't get 100. Um, mm. that, that is genuinely as well, because obviously going to Sunderland on the last day um, and getting getting the result we did, or lack of <laughs> result, was, was a bit disappointing for everybody. Yeah, I, I remember going up to Sunderland. It was it was actually on my birthday, and it, it was a, it was an early kickoff, wasn't it? It was 12 yeah, o'clock. Yeah. And I remember setting out at five, knowing that he needed a point to get 100 points, and the lineup come out, and I thought, Fucking hell's he doing? <laughs> like you weren't you weren't playing. <laughs> it was um, it was. I was having an operation. I, I had a hernia operation. Uh, That's oh. why I came there. Yeah. Uh, what what was the thinking behind cha- changing the team? I, I thought Nuno would have wanted to try and break that hundred bar- hundred point barrier. I think he did, um, but I also think you know he was he was very good at managing the squad, um, especially that season, and and I think he wanted to give people a little bit of recognition of what they'd done behind the scenes. Um, that people wouldn't have seen, obviously, off the pitch. Um, so, you know, it's, it's with all due respect in, in that season, it was against Sunderland, who were low yeah. early. So, you know, you're expecting to bring a point back at the very least, but unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Yeah, I think is that Will Norris, I think Harry Burgoyne came yeah. on for a little bit in the second half as well, didn't he? I think even I think Roderick Miranda got a little go in that game as well. <laughs> he was in and out of the squad that season as well. But yeah, I mean that season, John had so many crazy matches, some good memories. I think Middlesbrough it was the one where we went down to nine men and we held on to get a win. The the one that everyone talks about is Cardiff away, obviously, and you were a massive part of that as well. Got a penalty save, and obviously they missed that second penalty as well. Warnock at the end causing all sorts of trouble. What 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 are your memories of that day? Was that was that up there with the the game of the season for the squad? Oh yeah, definitely. I think that and Bristol City away. Yeah, yeah, what a game! Yeah, two games from that season that stand out, and you just go, yeah, that they they were probably well. Cardiff was certainly a season-defining game because if we'd lost that, the gap was three points. We ended up winning it, which meant it was nine points and basically promotion. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so it was a lively bus on the way back. It was. Rui, Rui Silva came on the bus, the assistant manager, and he was like, just at the back, chatting to the lads, and we're like, Rui, listen, we basically just want promotion. Yeah. Any chance of some beers on the way back? <laughs> yeah, like, 
did yeah no problem so him and Nuno went over to I think there was an Asda or a Tesco opposite the Cardiff Stadium the <laughs> crates back on the back of the bus so the lads had a couple on the way back so you know it's a nice nice moment to be fair did you did the, was there any sort of aftermath with Warnock with the with you guys as a squad after the game or did you like go back to the dressing room basically see nothing else of him yeah no we never saw anything of him and we to be fair most of the players didn't know anything about it until we'd got back on the bus because we're obviously in the heat at the moment celebrating. Um, you know, there's a big pile up. So we only see that and, and go from that moment. And mm. once you get on the bus and you see everything on, on, the, on the highlights and stuff, and it's like, Jesus, yeah, he, he wasn't happy, was he? He but, took it really badly, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it, he's been in the game long enough to know the heat at the moment and the emotion that comes with it. So. I'm sure uh, I've, I've, well, I've seen things since then that he's forgiven Nuno and he understands why he did it. Yeah, he, I think he, he sorted that he's uh, Nuno was his, his missus' his favourite manager as well. So I'm not <laughs> not sure how, uh, I'm not sure how that happens. John, in, in games like that, what's going through your head? How how are you how are you keeping concentration? How are you keeping your nerves? Because I mean, as fans, I'm, I'm biting my nails just thinking about watching it. I, I, I was holding behind the sofa. I can't imagine how you boys were feeling. Um. To be fair, we knew what to expect and we knew how they were going to play. You know, they're direct, they're physical, they, they get the ball forward quickly, try and get it in the box. And um, I think for, well, we stood up to that until the last minute. Obviously, you know, I think still to this day, I, I think Cody's penalty that he conceded was a little bit harsh. I think he's gone mm. down. He's, mm. And Cav, I'll give him the benefit <laughs> of that. But I don't know what he's doing. Um, <laughs> You know, and it, it's just that when you've gone from the, the high of the, them missing the first penalty, and you're like, right, we've got... And you even see Mike Dean say it, he's like, there's 40 seconds left. And then the ball comes in the box again, and Cav slips. And uh, Is that what he said? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he gives the other penalty, like, oh, no. And, and then, to be fair, your mindset switches to going probably take a point in these circumstances having them just missed one they're getting another one you go right a point's not actually the worst thing for us um and then obviously he's he's missed that one as well and but then i thought because the ball's come back off the bar mm. and it's got headed back across the goal and ben was at the back post and sort of lent into someone to clear the ball with a header and i thought you're going to give another one <laughs> not even mike dean could give three penalties in a game <laughs> session so yeah, when he, when he blew that final whistle, honestly, the, the sense of relief and stuff. But it was just, I think it just, it really did, uh, you know, signify how close we were as a group and how well drilled we were throughout that whole game to withstand the pressure that they put on us, especially in the last 10 minutes or so. Yeah, there were, there were a couple of games. I like you mentioned the Bristol City game, the Borough game that game and I think unless you were actually a wall supporter or a Wolves player or a part of the club you probably wouldn't understand the emotion obviously there were a couple of people that moaned that season about how we celebrated those sort of results but I think unless you're in that situation you you do not understand how that feels like if you are in club you know just you know defended against two penalties and basically like you said one promotion that feeling is just unbelievable as well um but it was a good season obviously for the club and for yourself John um Golden Glove Award, PFA Team of the Year as well. Going into that next season, obviously promoted to the Premier League, that summer, were you under the impression that you were going to be number one again or did you know that the club had their eye on other, other goalkeeper targets? I, I knew they'd bring another goalkeeper in um, because obviously you look at the goalkeeper situation in the Championship, there's myself, Will and Harry. Mm -hmm. And 
with all due respect to us three, you couldn't carry the three of us in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I was well aware that they were going to look to bring a goalkeeper in. But I also, I was, I was of the of the thought process that it was my shirt to lose. Of um, and you know, when Nuno did tell me that I wasn't going to play, he was going to play Rui. You know, you, you sort of you just take it. You, there's nothing else you can do. I mean, he told me two weeks before the start of the season, the championship was starting the week the week after. I think he, I think he played Derby um, mm. in the second last pre-season game. And he told me the day before that. So it was like, well, Derby was starting their season the next week. So there was no way I could go to a team because their season's already starting. So they were yeah. sorted in the championship. So it was like, well, they either sit here and kick up a fuss or I just get on with it. And, you know, the person I am, I just got on with it and understood his decision. Um, you know, when he's bringing in a, a near 100 cap Portugal goalkeeper, you go, yeah, I'll see what I can see what I can learn. But I always backed myself as well. I always thought if I was given the opportunity, then I'd take it. Um, but, you know, ultimately I wasn't given the opportunity. Do you feel like Nuno could have maybe let you know a tad earlier so you could have maybe gone on a different path if you knew you weren't playing? Like you said, two weeks before the season starts, championship or, I mean, even a Premier League season would be two two weeks away. Do you feel like he could have let you know sooner? Yeah, definitely. Um, but until I'm sat in a manager's chair, then you'll never know the reasons and the thought processes that I go through to get to that point. Um, but yeah, a little bit more clarity would have been would have been nice. Um but like I said, I, I felt good going into pre-season. I, I had the hernia operation at the end of that season. Uh, came back fitter than ever, raring to go. Um, and, you know, I was determined to do my part as and when I needed to or in whatever role that would be. You say sat in a manager's chair there, John. I know you're still playing at the minute, but is that something that you envisage in the future? I think everyone sees I think everyone sees that in you from your leadership qualities on and off the pitch. I don't know that. I don't know. That's a lot of work. <laughs> so much admin <laughs> way too much um, yeah I'm not sure I'm not, I'm, I'm started my coaching badges last year with a few of the lads um, so we'll see if I can carry that on um, I've always said I'd like to have my badges just in case but it's not something that I'm desperate to follow you know it's something that I think the more I do my badges and the more I progress along that route it's going to go one or two ways. I'm either going to really enjoy doing it, really enjoy putting sessions together and stuff like that and think, yeah, I, I can do this for a job or I'm going to be like, no, this is, this is yeah, way too me. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, see, we'll see. But like I said, it's, it's something that I'd like to have just to <clears> Of course, yeah. And obviously that, that first season in the Premier League, you well, your appearances were pretty much limited in the league uh, until you left the club. But that year in particular, we had a fantastic FA Cup run. Uh, you played six games in that competition, got all the way to the semi-final. Such a disappointing um, semi-final as well. We, we started, you know, so well. Um, how disappointed were, were you and the rest of the squad about that? Because I, I think everyone had the feeling that we could have we could have got to the final, couldn't we? Oh, we should have, 100%, yeah. 100% should have got to that final. Um, for me, it's the it's the one game in my career that I've never, ever watched any footage back from. No, even even I, I haven't, I can't watch yeah. it. And it's the one game that I will take for the rest of my life that will just be the biggest regret of my career, that we didn't make that FA Cup final. Um, <clears throat> you know, to be, I think we were literally, I think, 10 seconds away 
from from winning the game, and obviously they we concede the penalty. Um, and by that that point, you know you're so deflated and you're so on the floor that you've got to try and lift yourself again to to go again, and it's very difficult. Um, and yeah, that honestly that is a massive regret, and, and that's not just me. I think that's everyone within that team and that squad would agree with that that sentiment that that game got away from us and it never should have. Mm, no, 100%. Well, you know, we it was a disappointing end, but thankfully, because of how well we did in the league, we got into the Europa League. You had a couple of games in that as well. Um, the biggest one, I think we, we beat Besiktas 4-0 where you played at home as well. But as an experience of that, I know you probably didn't get to play as many games in that competition as you would have wanted to, but travelling to and from all these places, such a tough and busy schedule, how was that? Or do you think the club... Because they, they brought in all these new techniques to try and keep the players fresh and fit. How was that as an experience for you guys? Amazing. Yeah, like you said, a great experience travelling to these. But I mean, the first one was Armenia. Oh, sorry. To say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, we had a nice one with Crusaders, the, the first qualifier, and then you're off to Armenia two days yeah. before the season starts. Um, landing at five o'clock in the morning on the Friday morning. You got a game on the Sunday. So, yeah, it was, um, it was brilliant for the club. Uh, it really was. And, and like you said, I think it, it helped the club grow a lot quicker as well. Like you said, in terms of the techniques they were using, the recoveries and making sure the lads were... Because we, as always, the, the squad's always been thin. Mm-hmm. So the, the quicker the recovery process is, obviously, the, the better for, for small squads. And, you know, the club were brilliant at that. Um, but yeah, from, from a player's point of view, to be able to go to Armenia, to the likes of Istanbul, to play Besiktas and, and places like that was brilliant. Yeah, and then it was it's such a strange one because there was a lot of people, even after that successful first season, people were almost writing walls off thinking, right, because they're in Europe, they're going to struggle next season. But we always seem to, on that Sunday after a Thursday game, I always remember, obviously, we beat Besiktas 1-0, went and beat City 2-0 at the Etihad. Do you, what do you think that was, that Wolves were just having almost this momentum going into these games that, yes, they were playing so often, but they were playing well and just were able to continue playing well? Again, I think it goes back... To, to like I said in the championship season when you've got that consistency and continuity within the group yeah you know, a lot was said about Nuno and the way he came in and three at the back and, and pace and attack and all of that so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it rang true because that was the base that we built ourselves on and, and we knew even if you're tired going into a game you knew you had stability at the back you had a foundation that you can you can rely on to, to grind out, you know, you're never going to be, you're never one of those teams, especially in the first couple of years, you're never going to concede three, four, five goals. So you always were always in a game. And when you did have players like Jota and, and, and Adama and Raul up front, you know, mm. you're always going to be able to have a threat. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened, especially like you said, coming back from Europe on the Thursday and playing on the Sunday, just that momentum that they're allowed to bring in with them and, and, Again, the techniques for the recovery and making sure that that's ready to go again. We were spot on and we've done everything right that season. And, and obviously the pandemic hit and lockdown hit. And, you know, that was that was great in a sense because it gave all the lads a rest, like a well, much needed rest as well. Yeah. Coming back into it, you know, it condensed the season massively. And I think, you know, that eventually caught up with us. You mentioned Nuno there, obviously the the last season. 
I, I was probably one of the first people to say, I feel like we need a bit of a change. It feels a, a, a little bit stale. I know it still came as a shock when they announced that Nuno left. How, how did you guys find out and what, what were all your feelings about Nuno's departure? Um, I think there was probably less surprise at the decision, but I, I agree the timing of it was a little bit strange. Um, yeah, we had we had a meeting, I think it was just before the Everton game, mm. which was in the midweek. Yeah, um, yeah Nuno pulled us all into the change room and, and told us what was happening. Um, you know, it was a tough meeting, really, because yeah. we'd been in the changing room for what, three, four years. Um, you know, so it's tough to see him, him get emotional like that because he'd invested a hell of a lot into the club. Uh, from a personal standpoint, and we'd all invested in him and the club as well during that period. So, yeah, it was um, it was a shock the timing, but I think, like you said, I think from even from the inside, you could sense that something was brewing and something quite wasn't quite right. Um, you know, the way he started to tinker with things, which is something that he never did before, mm. um, were probably the first signs of something was going to happen. Yeah, I know. Looking from from the sidelines, I think the the Albion game at home was probably the one that stood out for me. You, you could tell it just in in and I'm no body language expert, but in his mannerisms, he just looked completely void of himself. You know, you look at the man that we 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 started with, and he's so happy and jolly, and you know, would try and g you up on the sidelines, and that spark seemed to have missed him. But Bruno Large coming, John, and and what? How different is Large um, compared to Nuno in terms of how he carries himself, methodologies, his man management? Um, yeah, he's, he's a very good coach on, on the training pitch. Very good, very, very thorough, very meticulous. Um, his man management, I think, could be improved. I think in terms of the way he communicates with players, I think, you know, he could be a little bit more... Um, approachable if you like mm. um, but he's very passionate as well and he's very emotional and, and he wears his heart on his sleeve and you know exactly what he's thinking um, which is sometimes a good thing sometimes a bad thing and you know at this level of management and, and of football you you need to find a, a balance very quickly um, you know Nuno was always very good at coming in after a game and not saying much at all because he didn't want his emotions to let, to, to take over Whereas Bruno will come in and and sometimes you'll know exactly how he's feeling, whether it be good or bad. So, yeah, again, it's different styles of management, different, completely different people. But, you know, I think um, in terms of the way he coaches a team, you know, he's, he's very, very good. We saw, obviously, with the exit of Nuno, we saw the likes, again, John, of Patricio leaving the club as well. Again, when that news came out, did you think possibly the club were going to allow you to have the opportunity of being the number one again? Or again, did you know that there was going to be a replacement straight away? No, I'd, I'd called it in, uh, I think, April. Yeah. Um, we're having dinner around Ruben's house and uh, we were just chatting about the season, season, the next season. He mentioned something about Rui. I said, oh, well, if Rui leaves, we'll bring in Jose Sarr from Olympiacos anyway. And, and Ruben knew... Jose, so he sort of said, ah, yeah, that could make sense because Saar wants to leave anyway. Oh, great, that's oh. good for you. <laughs> but I, he might be looking to leave. And, uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd call it in April, so I knew what was happening. <laughs> all, all, all of a sudden you were full and you didn't want any more. 
but it's, again, you lose a you lose a keeper like Patricio, and, and you're going to try and fill that gap with with someone who you think can get to those sort of heights. And you know, for me, Saar never got the recognition last year from Portugal. Um, yeah, you know, he's he, he was very good. But I also believe as well, with all due respect to Rui, he wouldn't have been able to play the way Bruno wants his keepers to no. play. No, no, no. And that's why Saar probably stood out last year because he was such a different goalkeeper to what Patricio was that, you know, you get used to seeing one thing for, for two, three years and then all of a sudden you get the complete opposite and it's like, oh, yeah, here we go. You know, he's coming for crosses, he's sweeping up behind, he's a little bit mental and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it, was good to, it was good to watch and, you know, he's, he'll never lose that either. That's his style, that's how he plays and, and that's why we... He had such an impact last year. I mean, there was, there was a couple of times last year where he had like a moment of madness and luckily got away with it. Does that come through in his personality? Because he, seem, he seems an, an absolute nutter. <laughs> yeah, but he's ridiculously laid back as well. So That's not good as a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. But it's also, so he's laid back, but he has also got that. So when he is on the pitch, you know mm. he's capable of doing something like that. And, you know, it's... Again, though, his style, the way Bruno wanted to play, it's no surprise, really, that he conceded a few penalties last year because he's always on the front foot. He's always looking to help. And, um, you know, that's that's because of the way the manager wants him to affect what the team are doing as well. And, of course, at the end of last season, you were out of contract, John. I think it was reported by a few journalists that you were you were offered a new deal. Is that is that true? Uh, this is a, it's a tricky one. Um, yeah, so they actually had an option on me, and I didn't know that. I didn't know. Okay. Uh, so I had a meeting with with a couple of people at the club, um, who had sort of said, "What's your thought process?" And I was like, "Look, I didn't think there was an option." So I was like, "If I can go and play first team football, then then great, you know. But whatever is right for the club and and for myself is the best route." And um, they come back and sort of said, oh, we've got an option. I was like, well, if you've got the option, then it's in your court. There's, there's nothing yeah. to do with it, really. Because if you take it, you take it. If you don't, you don't. Um, and, and anyway, we got to a point where this was probably six, seven weeks before the end of the season, where they, they'd said that we're going to take the option. I was like, okay, no problem. Like, crack on and, you know, you know what you're going to get from me. So, yeah, we've got to worry about that in that sense. And then... Uh, the day before the end of the season was the day they had to confirm the option. Uh, day before Liverpool, and then it's, I found out that they were rescinding the offer, and they weren't going to take the op- the option up. So that's that really poor. That was me. And uh, yeah. yeah, as, as the uh, the old karma gods go, I obviously had to come on at half time as well against Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just, just sat on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, well, we saw the, I think you put an Instagram post or social media post saying, well, it looks like I'm playing my last game for Wolves. And I think fans could sort of tell from that that obviously something hadn't been quite dealt right behind the scenes. I I, I read it like Matt, did you? Yeah, I, I completely, I could tell you a little bit pissed off. <laughs> yeah, look, like I said, it, the club's a business. And, mm. and if they feel that as a business, it, it's going to be better for them without me and without carrying me for a year no problem at all I've got no issue with that but you know honesty in football is is quite hard to come by 
Um, and when you do find people, and there are people within within walls that are very honest, and, and I can have honest conversations with. Um, but you know, when you're having an honest conversation with them, and they're probably being lied to as well, or being mistold the truth, then it doesn't quite sit right. So, no, I've got no issue with with the outcome. It's the way that the outcome was dealt with is is the biggest problem for me. And you know, I've always said that it's not in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of Wolverhampton Wanderers. It's not a big deal, um, you know. It's it's far more disruptive for me as an individual and for me as a as a as a dad and a husband than yeah. it was for Wolves as a as a, a football club. So, you know, I've got no issue with the decision making that they they came to. It, like I said, it was just the the way it was dealt with in the end. Yeah, who who ultimately has that decision? Do you know? Is it is it a, a mix between Scott Sellers and, and Bruno and and Jeff? Do they all? Is it almost like a, a panel and they they come to a decision unanimously? Um, I'd imagine that Jeff would have the ultimate final say, being yeah. uh, he's the chairman. Um, and seeing as though two of the three of those people you mentioned were in favour of me staying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we can probably guess the two. Yeah. Yeah, you should have been a politician, John. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, John, going back to last season as well. There were, you know, there were talk. You know, it was obvious that Wolves had, a, you know, had a good season up until probably the end of Jan. Um, obviously, the, the window shut. We didn't really see many additions. There were some quotes. I think Marcel in particular had spoke about it in Brazil. How they should have invested into the squad a little bit more. Do you think with a little bit more firepower last last season, Wolves could have had a much more successful year last year? Yeah, but I don't think it's probably necessarily just last season. I think, mm. you know, we had a couple of quiet windows where you, you finish seventh twice in the Premier League in a row. That's the, the opportunity to kick on. You know, that's 100%. They listen, we want to consistently break into it and be a top six, top seven team. Um, and... If you do invest in the right personnel at the right time, i.e. finishing second, uh, seventh, twice in a row, then you've got a fantastic chance of doing that. So, um, yeah, I, I do feel, and I, and I get the point of view that, that Marcel made and, and I, I see from a fan's point of view about, you know, being frustrated that not, not enough is happening. Um, mm-hmm. But also from, like I said, from the business side of the football club, you can also sense that they're trying to go in a different direction, this self-sustainable model, um, which they have been successful at recently, you know, in buying players for a good price and selling them on for a profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all well and good, but, you know, you, you're not going to, for every Ruben Neves or Diogo Jota or Pedro Neto, you, you know, you're going to have a couple that you're probably not going to make your money back on. So, you know, it's about finding the right ones and making sure you're, you're nurturing them in the right way. So yeah. not just what they do at Wolves, but also what they go on to do in the future as well. I think the, the frustrating thing for, for us fans is, uh, we've been saying it probably the last two or three years, Wolves are only a, a, probably a couple of key additions away from really breaking into that top six. Is, is that maybe how, how you guys felt as well? Because I know the squad's been criminally you know, short um, over, the, over the past couple of years and injuries haven't, haven't fallen in our favour. Yeah, um, there are injuries are part and parcel of the mm. game, but to, to sustain the injuries that we did, um, you know, you, could, you can't legislate for that. It doesn't really matter how big your squad is. When you're losing 
key players through those type of injuries, then you know it's not it's going to affect any squad. So mm. yes, they could have had more additions in the window and, and bolstered the squad a little bit. But at the same time, would those additions have been straight into the first team? Would they have been uh, a Fabio Silva, for example, who is, was brought in for the future? You know, and if you're buying those players in and you still get the injuries you get, there's no saying that those players are going to be ready. Yeah. Um, so you have yes, having a bigger squad is nice, but if the players aren't ready, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, and we saw obviously John in the end, obviously leaving Wolves now at Birmingham City, so not too far away uh, for you. Were there many clubs that approached you uh, ahead of the new season, and in the end, why why Birmingham City? Uh, no. Very quiet. Very really? Approaches, yeah. yeah. Um, very quiet. I think it was a, a difficult window for 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 a lot of people. Um, you know, when, when you're 35, and you haven't really played consistently for well, you haven't played for four years, really. Mm. Uh, very difficult to go in and say, yeah, come and pick me up. So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, Birmingham came in, and, and I spoke to the manager, spoke to the goalkeeper coach there, Mike Taylor. Um, the manager, John Eustace, has been brilliant with me since I've, I've been in there. Um, I looked at their squad. They've got a very good squad. Um, a lot of very senior pros, experienced players, but with a, a really good blend of, of young players coming through as well. So it was exciting, uh, to be honest, to go there and, and be told you, you're going to be playing and you know, they're going to give me the opportunity to get back on the pitch. And, you know, it's been, it's been good. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've only been there for maybe four weeks now but you know i've really enjoyed being around the lads and, and being at training and playing the games and getting back to that that sort of mentality of yeah we've got things to play for and it's dog eat dog and the, you know what the championship like it's yeah. just distant and unforgiving so you know it's uh it's great to be back out there it must be nice for someone to instill some confidence in you as well and tell you that you're you're the main man i think we all I think we all need that don't we from from, from time to time <laughs> Yeah. Or how old you get? You're, you know, you're always like. <laughs> are you? Uh, are you still? Are you living locally still, or are you? Are you in, back in Norfolk? No, so yeah, I'm. I'm. My family is still in Norfolk. Uh, yeah. The, the whole time, so um, yeah, I had a flat in Wolverhampton that I've I've rented out, and I'll find somewhere a bit closer to Birmingham just to cut down on the travel. Yeah. That must have been tough, though, John. If that was happening during your time at Wolves, did to commuting back and forth was it difficult? Or did, did your family ever thought about moving up with you, or was that always going to be the case? Um, Not to Wolverhampton. <laughs> <laughs> we thought about it, but like our kids, are, with the ages they are, they're, they're all settled at school and with their friends, and same with my missus as well. So it was easier for me just to to make it work by travelling yeah. and move everyone else up because. Again, in football, I didn't know I was going to be a Wolves for five years. If I did, then it would have been a different story. We'd have, we would have gone up. But, you know, you don't know what's going on from one year to the next. And, you know, with the scheduling that we used to get, you don't know what's going on from one day to the next either. So, yeah, yeah that made it quite difficult. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was manageable. Right. right. So, John, I really, really appreciate you jumping on. Obviously, a fantastic pro for Wolverhampton Wonders. I'm sorry that it didn't quite end... Uh, in a positive light but still a fantastic career fantastic pro that we had uh, at the club um, obviously wish you all the best at Bur uh, Birmingham City and for the rest of your career and uh, yeah thank you for jumping on Talking Wolves uh, thanks, thanks John, John. Listen, it doesn't matter how it ended I've always got fond memories of Wolves you know so 
it was a very a good very good honor to be to be part of the club and play a very small part in, in the success we had so wow. thank you very much john cheers thank you cheers fellas